With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to After Extra Time. This week hosted by the Millwall one, Jacko. Uh, Due to the unanimous rejection of Project Diva, Greeny has thrown his toys out the pram and not participated this week. But don't worry, lovers of the not-so-famous one. He will be back next week. Um, with me this week, as always, the ever-present in the side, uh, Mr Jack Godfrey. How are we? Yeah, I'm all good, mate. Yeah, always ever-present. Yeah, you know. I know. Well, I think we're going to have to start finding him week's wages if he's not turning up at this rate. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, he always used to have a go at me as well. And now look at Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, but he's the famous one, so he, he thinks he can get away with it. I don't know. I don't think that's any exception. No. Great, Greeny, if you're listening, mate, it's not on. Yeah, sort yourself out. Um, right then. How, I'm, I'm going to ask how we've been, but I don't think you've been watching football this weekend after Friday. <laughs> I've watched a bit, mate, yeah. <laughs> Same old again. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll start with um, the early kickoffs on Saturday. Because I was hoping I'd have a week where we didn't have controversy or <laughs> if we could try and get Akil back on and he can try and discuss what, what happened on Saturday. Because <laughs> I, I hate having to talk about it. I really, really do. But I love doing it at the same time. Um, so those of you that have been hiding for two days, Liverpool played Everton in what I considered probably the biggest game of Everton's season um, up to date. Um, and it finished in a remarkable fashion um, to all on Saturday afternoon. Jack, what did you make of the game? I mean, yeah, I think like you said, it was, there was a lot of controversial stuff that happened. Um, I think, you know, Liverpool showed their intent early on. Um, they started the game like a steep which I think you'd expect really, seeing as the result at Villa before the international break. Um, yeah. But I think Michael Keane summed it up, I think, in an interview on uh, after the game. Combined, Everton would have rolled over there. 
and got mm. beat comfortably. But you know they fought back, and uh, you know rightly or wrongly, they they picked a point out. Yeah, but yeah, I've, go on. I'm going to have to. What did you make of the decisions that did or did not go Liverpool's way this weekend? Um, I'd mainly have to say did not. Yeah, on the balance of it. Um, yeah, I, th- I think. I mean, I'm not Liverpool's biggest fan at all. Um, but I should have stood. It was quite clearly onside. Um, I'm not sure what they've seen to give it offside, personally. Mm. Um, the second, the, the, the Van Dyke one, uh, I don't, I think the fact that it was offside, you know, it clouded it massively. In, and it said that, you know, I can't remember who was on VAR um, for the, I'm trying to think, I can't remember. Paul, um, Paul I think it was. Yeah, whoever it was, anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. And they said they were so busy doing the offside, they didn't even look at the red card. I mean, I mean, it's a red card, and any other, anywhere on the pitch, anywhere, any other players, yeah. it's a red card. Um, it's a horrible tackle. Yeah. It ultimately extended Van Dyke's season. Yeah. Um, and I think anyone from any other clubs, regardless of who it was on, it's, it's a red card. You know, there's. The, Oh, the tackle kind of speaks for itself, you know. He's done his ACL. He's going to be out for what seven or eight months. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Yeah, it's, it's a disgusting tackle. It's a red card. I, 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 yeah, I was going to say. In, in your opinion, is it a red card? Yeah, for me, for me, it's a no-brainer. Um, and that sort of begs the question, really, that in in the in the second half, Richarlison gets sent off for the challenge on Thiago mm. because, but he's seen that. And it's a late challenge. Yeah. So why is the Van Dyke one different to the Thiago one? Honestly, uh, there's no explanation for me. I mean, they're both two bad tackles. Yeah. They're both two red cards. I mean, I don't. I just just because it's offside doesn't mean that you should be you know excuse that tackle. That tackle's uh, makes an awful tackle. I mean, yeah. there's, there's no difference whatsoever. It really isn't. Um, I just. It, it baffles me sometimes. Mm. Um, and, you know, we find ourselves trying not to talk about, you know, controversial things. And yet, week in, week out, there seems to be something new that happens. And if it's yeah. not hum- if it's not handballs, it's offsides. If it's not offsides, it's red cards. If it's not red cards, you know, it, it's, I don't know, goals disallowed or, yeah, it's, there's always something. And the, the, the worrying thing is that, actually, I think the Premier League, in terms of football playing played, is probably one of the best we've seen for a long time. Mm. There's not a lot of nil-nils, there's a lot of goals, the games are entertaining, and yet somehow we're still talking about VAR. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I think they're both red cards, and I think the offside is, I mean, I've no idea. Are they drawing imaginary lines on? Are they... Well, this is this is where, I, you know, they, they changed, because they changed, well, from what I heard on Match of the Day yesterday, yeah. because they changed the handball law, the offside law has changed to where the point of origin is mm. for those that are offside. Now, what, and, and Gary Lineker pointed it out, what they seem to be forgetting that is if they're level, they're onside. Yeah. Now, if it's the case that it's a marginal one, by, I mean by a millimetre, mm. surely that's just being. Overcautious with it. 
Well, yeah, I think... Before... Is, it, is it a case that if, you know, the, the sticklers for the game out there would say, well, by law, if he's offside, he's offside? Yeah, but, but I think before... But then we get situations like we did yesterday yeah. where it's, you know, one frame he's behind play, one frame ahead he's in front of play. Yeah. And they've managed to pull, or you know, they've tried to pause it in between and whether or not they can get it in time... They've either got him onside or offside. Yeah, I think if you look before VAR, we had we gave the benefit of the doubt to the attacking team, didn't we? So, yeah, I think maybe we should go back to that a little bit. I think you know, um, for me, I just I, I can't see anything wrong with the goal at all. I, I really can't. Um, I just like I say, I think I, I don't want to get caught up talking about VAR because you know we've spoke a lot about it on this podcast. Yeah, I don't want it to. Cloud was probably, you know, it was a very good game of football. Um, mm. And, you know, Everton, like I said, rightly or wrongly, you know, got their point and it's a big point for them. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I just think at times we've got to go back to enjoying the actual game of football rather than yeah. trying to make it, you know, computerised and technology and all this. Whereas, you know, it's, it's kind of sucking the fun out of the game, if you will. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree. Um I, well, I'll, we'll go on to the positive sides of things. Um, as you say, it was a good game of football. No. Apart from the the horrific tackles and the controversial decisions that did go against Liverpool. Yeah. Um, Calvert-Lewin, I mean, I, I don't think we can... I don't think we can ever stop talking about how well he's playing at the minute. No. Um, he's a man very much in form. Um, he's honestly, I don't think I've, other than probably Ronaldo, I don't think I've ever seen anyone leap as well as he does for a header. Mm. Yeah, um, he's such an aerial threat, and I mean, he's obviously so young as well. So, I mean, potentially the sky's the limit, really. You know, if he keeps, yeah, you know, he's 23, 24, I think. Um, Could you see him up there challenging for Harry Kane status? I think at the moment probably not, but I mean, if he keeps continuing what he's doing this season and he continues to do it consistently, then absolutely. Um, I just, you know, I'm sure he, you know, if you asked him at the moment in an interview, he'd, you know, give you all the media trained. Oh, I'm just keeping my feet firmly on the floor. But if he keeps scoring goals week in week out and does it every season for the next five, ten years, then absolutely. Mm. You you know, I, I can't see no reason why we couldn't be, but. You know, I think to be considered a great, you have to do it consistently and you have to do it season in, season out. Yeah. So, yeah, but I, I can see potentially down the future, if he continues to do so, then, yeah, there's no reason why he can't be in that bracket. Yeah. Um, James, mm. what a player he is. Unbelievable signing. Um, you know, there, there was, I, I sort of, I was looking, I was watching the game this morning mm-hmm. and I was watching James and you sort of sat there and thought, if he's consistent, He's up there with De Bruyne, in my opinion, for what he can create for that side. But I've not seen a bad performance out of him since he's come over. Yeah, he's very, very consistent. And I just, I seriously think if they can keep him fit, yeah, along with Aran and Decore, and you know Calvert Lewin carries on his form, I, I'm, I'm seriously backing. I'm seriously putting a little bit of money on Everton winning the league this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think keeping their key players fit is definitely the key. Um, 
you know, they clearly have a lot of momentum as well at the minute. So mm. I, I can't see no reason why, you know, to keep them fit that they really, you know, I think if they can get to Christmas still flying, then yeah. seriously, people have got to consider them as title contenders. Um, but I think if they can get the luck with players not getting injured and, you know, nice, nice, very good run of form at the minute, then yeah, I, I can't see why not. And I think you, you need to get your money on sooner rather than later, otherwise your price is going to go in. Mm. Um, and just quickly, one last thing about Liverpool before we move on to um, the, the other game from yesterday. With Van Dijk now being out for a considerable amount of time, is it a case where you sort of look back at Liverpool's transfer policy in the summer and realise that not bringing in a centre-back has been a massive mistake? Yeah, I think... I know, I know hindsight's all well and good, but yeah. I, I'm pretty sure we discussed it at the back end of last season and sort of halfway through the, the sort of off-season that Liverpool needed to strengthen with a centre-back and they've not done it. Yeah. No, I th- and I just feel that the, with Gomez, is has been out of form at the start of this season. Matip obviously comes in and out. Yeah. They're going to be your starting centre-backs for the next... Well, to the end of the season. Until January. Yeah. Surely he has to go out and get a centre-half in this, uh, in January. Yeah, I, th- I think like you said, I was going to say, we mentioned it on the pod. Um, and, I mean, it's ultimately it's come back to bite them. I mean, like you say, hindsight is a wonderful thing. And, you know, nobody would have seen Van Dijk go being out for the season so early on. Um, but, yeah, I just think... You've got to, if you're sort of operating at that top level that Liverpool were, um, you, you know, you have to anticipate everything, you know. You, you know, they didn't get many injuries last season, I don't think. Well, not, no long-term ones, really. Um, well, no, no, none to the major players, either, yeah. I don't think. I, I, think, I think that's sort of the key thing. But, yeah, I think they needed to strengthen, uh, ultimately, right. and they didn't. And now they've got to play with a sort of weak in defence for at least three months. Yeah. Um, two, well, two and a half months, three months. Um, sh- I mean, surely Klopp's got to, you know, whether, it, whether even be alone or something and they try and find someone, but, mm. you know, or, you know, the, whether they splash big and go someone like Koulibaly, or, I mean, I don't know. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think they've got to strengthen come, you know, January. I don't think Gomez and Mati doesn't really sort of fill me with confidence, you know, at the minute. You know. Not with Adrian in goal, right? Well, definitely not either. I mean, I don't think any of that defence um, currently, other than probably... I mean, even Alexander-Arnold hasn't started the season as well no. as he did last year. Uh, I think Robertson played well um, on Saturday. Yeah, I think Robertson's carried on his attacking prowess. Yeah. But I think he's part of a collective that have not defended well. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I think they've, they've... Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, mate. I think they've... Um, I think... Yeah, I think with those injuries as well, that'll only sort of make that situation worse, if you will. I don't I think they're going to struggle at the back. Um, can their forward players sort of get them out of trouble for the next couple of months? We'll have to wait and see. Yeah, definitely. Um, talking of defences, or lack of, um, I'm going to move to a couple of the games, well, one from yesterday and one from today. Chelsea, Southampton and Spurs, West Ham. <laughs> Now, both Chelsea and Tottenham were comfortably ahead. And defensively, they've capitulated. All right, yes, the Lanzini goal in the last minute today was an absolute worldie. 
but they were poor defensively against set pieces in the last 10 minutes, which you knew West Ham were going to push forward for anyway, because that's how they operate. Southampton was similar yesterday against Chelsea, but it's come back to bite Kepper again. I don't know. I don't know what you made of him. Yeah, um, I think. Well, I can speak from experience. I mean, obviously, in terms of derby, you know, going two, three goals up. I mean, you've got to. I don't know if it's complacency or just mm. just sheer errors. I mean, it's probably a bit of both. Um, you've got to kill games off, even at three 0 You've got to think that you know it's that old cliche that it's nil nil and you, and you go again. Um, yeah. Chelsea are just defensively they're all over the place. Um I don't know. I I think there's, there's some stats that are saying that Chelsea in like the last hundred games or something had only kept like eighteen clean sheets or something and they considered considered like ninety nine goals or something. So it's yeah. all well and good spending, you know, like hundred mil, two hundred mil on your attacking players as well, but I think you know, clear well, clearly their problem is defensively. Um I think you got a slight glimpse of Havertz and Werner playing at their best, you know, with a third goal for Chelsea. But, you know, if yeah. you can't see games out and you can't defend properly, and, you know, I think even with the, fir- the first um, Southampton goal, Havertz sort of gave the ball away or tried to do a skill and it didn't work. You know, Southampton yeah. won the ball away and it was a goal. Um, I think I spoke to one of my mates yesterday and said, you know, Havertz might get away with that against a Bundesliga side, but in the Premier League, you know, you'll get punished. So... Yeah, if you can't defend properly and, and you, you you don't see games out properly, and whether that be through like, complacency or errors, you, you you're never going to win games. And I think top, the top of the no. game, like you said, it, it was a worldie. But you know, was there a need to give the free kick away? Did they, you know, clear the ball away properly? You know, there's loads of little things. But I mean, if you watched the first 15 minutes of the yeah. Tottenham game, you'd have thought Tottenham were going to win the game six or seven nil. You wouldn't have expected a draw. So. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think, you know, at the moment, I know it's very entertaining for us as neutrals, but if you're a Spurs or Tottenham fan, you know, you've got to be concerned, yeah. Well. Um, but obviously, Werner and Havertz both got goals yesterday for Chelsea. Um, I'd take, you know, that has got to be some sort of relief off their shoulders that they've been able to sort of break break into sort of scoring in the Premier League? Yeah, I think um, Werner more so than Havertz at the minute needed goals and that would be sort of like a weight off his shoulders now that he's got his first cup in the Premier League. Um, As I said earlier, I think their third goal was a nice bit of football. Um, But, you know, if their defence is going to defend like that and Kepa's going to make mistakes again, then Chelsea are just gonna have to outscore teams, um, but uh, but yeah, I think that's a sort of um, more relief than anything for Werner uh, with his goals. I think, it, but I think it will give them confidence going into the next couple of games. Yeah. Um, from the sort of perspective of Southampton and West Ham, they obviously you know obvious cliche. They're going to be have massive confidence coming out of those two games now with the results that they they've got. Don't you think? Hello, yeah. you, you there, mate? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll ask the question yeah, again. Uh, no, that's right. Um, the obvious comment to make is Southampton and West Ham are going to be boosted by their results. 
this yeah. week. You know, with, with, especially with West Ham, seeing as Moyes was obviously away from the managerial side of it for a couple of weeks, and then he's come back and he's got a point. Do you do you, do you think that gives him confidence that he can carry on the job, or do you sort of sit there and think, well, again, it's one of those where don't you know they they were quite they were doing quite well beforehand. Do they really need boys there in charge? Uh, I think it's sort of 50 50. Um, it, it, it's sort of dependent on how much input Moyes had when he was away. Um, I don't know whether he had a massive input or whether he had, you know, he took a step back and thingy. I think um, they were going very well before he was before he came back in. Um, but I think him sort of coming back in, he'll be sort of pleased with what he saw today. You know, the fact that obviously not the first half, um, you know, yeah. obviously. He must have said something at half time and that clearly worked. So maybe you'd say maybe they do need him there. Would would that have happened had he not been there? Who knows? Um yeah. you don't know. Um but I think, you know, I think he can he can be happy with that point and you know, they, I think they've not lost in three games now, so you know there's a little bit of momentum there for West Ham. Yeah. Um moving on to the, the late game or one of the late games last night. Um Man City Arsenal at the Etihad. Um a bit of controversy, but not for VAR reasons. Uh, did you see the game yeah, last yeah. night? Yeah. Yeah. What What did you? Um, obviously, that they're saying that Aguero will not be getting any sort of retrospective action against yeah. him. Do you think he's got away with something after what he did? Uh, there? I do, and I don't. I think if that was a male linesman, it would have been an issue. I think because it's because it was a female, it makes it more heightened. But. It, you know, there, there is always that sort of argument where a, a player shouldn't be putting their hands on officials anyway. So, it, it, you know, regardless of whether or not it was yeah. a male or female linesman, should he have done it in the first I think place? the straight answer to that is no. I think, you know, you, you, yeah. not so much these days now, the, uh, like in this, you know, this like time in football, you don't really see like players touching the referees because obviously in years gone by, you did. Um, I think that's the only issue you'd say, you know, I think he shouldn't be you know, raising his hands to anyone and putting his hands on anyone's sort of shoulders or neck. Uh, I think maybe sort of got away with it. I think you'd have to say. But yeah. for me, I think, I thought personally it was more heightened because it was a female. But obviously, like you say, you know, you shouldn't really be touching anyone just, you know, regardless of their gender. Yeah. Um, apart from apart from that, I, I thought it was a pretty... A dual game. Um, yeah, yeah. I was going to say lacklustre. I, I think both both seem, teams seemed to create chances in the first half, and then it became sort of a defensive chess game for the second half, um, where sort of both sides were sort of try, just trying to sort of outmaneuver the, the the other, but because they're sort of playing similar styles, it sort of negated anything. Yeah. And Man City just quite happy to sort of. Shut up, shut up. I don't know what you made of it. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, mate. I think um, sort of Man City sort of got that goal and then, like you said, it was sort of like a ta- more of a tactical affair and sort of like counter. And I think Arsenal could have maybe gone at Man City a bit more. You know, they didn't mm. really show much guile or, you know, any sort of strength in attack. Like you said, it was sort of lackluster. So... I think you know. I think they could have had a, had a go at Man City. I think Man City a lot of the time are there for the taking defensively. Yeah. Um, 
And I think with some of the players that Arsenal have got going forward, they probably would have caused Man City problems, but didn't really get to see that because, like you say, they were it was sort of a, like a tactical sort of game. So yeah, no, I think it, you know it's, it, it wasn't exactly exciting to watch, but I think Pep will be happy. They've got three points. Yeah. You know, they struggled in a couple of games before the international break. Where where do you see Man City and Arsenal finishing at the moment? Uh, I think top six for both. Yeah, yeah, I don't know where. I think this season's been a little bit crazy so far, um, to say the least. It's just, I mean, it's so up and down each week. You know, you know, if you don't turn up or you, you know, you're not switched on, then you know you're gonna gonna struggle to win the game. Uh, yeah, I think top six potentially, potentially, if Man City can get their act together, top four. But you know, from yeah. what I've seen, I wouldn't be super confident on top four. No. Okay. Um, the the last game last night was Newcastle versus mm-hmm. Manchester United. Um, a pretty poor Newcastle side, if I'm being honest. I know we've sort of said that they've done well with the transfers they've brought in this season and it has been sort of their best season or best start to a Premier League season for a while. But... Yeah, what did you think? Were they pretty? Did you think they were pretty poor? Yeah, I don't think they offered much. Um, I think again, like Man City, uh, I think Man United were there to be taken at. Um, yeah, Newcastle didn't really do that. I know, obviously, they went one up, and then from there on, they sort of sat back. In the second half, they sat back even more, and it was like you know you need to go out, Man, Man United, and try and get out and make the make mistakes happen. Um, you know, I thought at times Man United played quite well. You know. Um, a couple of their goals are nice um, but yeah I, I didn't think I think with the run of fixtures Newcastle have got they could be in trouble um, they yeah. had to pick up points and didn't really fill me with confidence in our performance last night that they're going to sort of pick up runner wins at, you know at this current moment I don't think they you know I think I'm not too sure they just don't not really going much going forward and I think defensively they look you know, pretty pretty poor, if I'm being honest. So, yeah, I mean, looks like they're in for a struggle again this season, which obviously Newcastle fans will be, you know, probably quite excited with their signings. But I think, you know, if you, based on current performances, then it's sort of relegation battle back into them sort of yeah. thing. Are you surprised that Man United didn't have, uh, well, I, I don't know if they did or not, yeah, surprised they didn't bring on sort of Cavani or Telles. Um, like I think that. Cavani was is sort of having to quarantine or something. I don't know if it's like some sort right, of international okay. rule or something. I'm not sure. We spoke about it with my uh, mate today while we were watching the football, but um, he wasn't available. Um, Telles, yeah, I'm surprised he didn't play or even start. Um, but Luke Shaw had quite a good game, to be fair. Um, yeah. I'm surprised the fact that Oli keeps benching Donny van der Beek. Um, Played well when he came yeah. on as well. So, I mean, you know, I'm not too sure where that sort of puts him. You know, they sort of spent, you know, that was a, well, it was a fair amount of money, you know, but they bought a player like that and then he's not starting, you know. So, sort of begs the question as to what his sort of role is going to be at United. Yeah. Um, obviously, Fernandez, Matter, well, sorry, Fernandez missed the penalty, but then obviously scored. A good goal later, and then set up Rashford. But Matters sort of come back into the side now for obvious reasons because I, I, I think 
if you and I were in charge of Man United, you would have changed the side after what happened before the international break. Are you pleased with how well Matip came in and played yesterday? Yeah, no, I think he, he, played, he played well. I think the one thing you're going to get with Matip, he's creative, he's good on the ball, um, he can pass, you know, he's quite agile on the ball as well. I just think the one thing he, he obviously lacks at the minute is his sort of pace and stuff like that, but I think he makes up for it in terms of his, sort of his, his footballing brain. Um like I say, he can pass a ball, he can create stuff. And I think, yeah, no, I think you'd, you'd be pleased with Matter. And he's obviously keeping, you know, Pogba and Donny van der Beek on the side, you know. And if he keeps playing like he did last night, yeah. then, you know, long may it continue for him. Well, um, moving on to today's yeah. games, um, Palace played Brighton. And I'll, I'll mention our predictions because I've not mentioned mine yet. I did have. Everton and Liverpool drawing two all, so I was quite glad that Henderson's goal was disallowed. And up to the 89th minute, I had Palace beating Brighton one <laughs> nil. And then Alexis McAllister scores a, a really, really well worked goal, um, and that means you get the three points because you had a one all draw. And I needed it as well after the the rest of my predictions. <laughs> Jesus Christ, yeah, no, yeah. Um, what I, I found the game. Very one-sided, and I was not surprised that Brighton came away with the draw. Um, you know, bearing in mind Palace had five touches in Brighton's penalty area for the entire game, and one of those touches was Zaha scoring the penalty. Were you disappointed by Palace's turnout? Yeah, today? I think you have to be, um, regardless of if you're a fan of Palace. Um, just lackluster again. I don't know, sort of what. Tactics they've set up with there, you know. Obviously, they're playing four four two. Was it or three? Four, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you've got Benteke, not Benteke, Batshuayi and Zaha up top. Um, you know, yeah. Zaha seemed very quiet. Um, just yeah, bizarre sort of tactics, and I, I don't know what Hodgson said to them. Um, you know, they're playing at home. Obviously, I know there's no fans in that, but you know, you just thought they were going to dom- not sort of dominate the ball, but at least sort of. 50-50 in terms of, you know, possession and chances and just, you know, Brighton dictated the game. And like you said, I think they were fully deserved at their point and probably a little bit begrudged they didn't take home the three points, really. And, and the fact that they won them down sort of for as long as they were, it was sort of, yeah, it was <laughs> Zaha, you know, obviously scoring the penalty. And it was a sort of shut up shop and keep 11 men beyond the ball and let's not even enter the opposition's half, which is, yeah, it's sort of, it's like Mourinho tactics, you know, part of the bus and, Go from there, but yeah. Yeah. do you not do do you not feel that that is the way that football seems to be going at the minute? Is that teams will try and go out for an early goal, and then sort of soak up pressure while the opposition sort of get further forward, and then they try and hit them on the counter. Yeah, I think you see it a lot more these days than than you used to. I think actually, I think from the Premier League recently, it's been quite good because you see both teams sort of attacking each other. Um, but yeah, I think. Yeah. I don't know if it's sort of like a European thing where teams sort of go one nil up and then sit back, like you say, soak up the pressure and then try to counter and sort of sucker punch teams. I mean, for me, yeah. it's not exciting, is it? You know, a team goes one nil up and they camp in their own half and try and counter. I think you, you ideally, if as a neutral, you just want to. Well, even as as a as a fan, you know, it's not exciting to watch your team doing that at all. Um, but I think you know, yeah. I, I'm not personally I'm not a massive fan. I mean. 
I can kind of see the point of view if you were sort of like a Fulham and you go to Chelsea and you get an early goal and then you sort of soak it up. But then again, I'd say if you won the up against Chelsea and something like that, get at them because, you know, they're going to be under pressure. So, you know, I think yeah. it's frustrating to watch, but, yeah, it sort of does creep in over the last couple of scenes more than it has, you know, in, you know, years gone by. Yeah. Um, Sheffield United played Fulham, I believe, is the early early day kick-off. Yeah. Um, and it finished one all with Mitrovic missing another penalty. Um, obviously, that's both teams' first points of the season. But I know it's early and we've already talked about sort of potential of Everton finishing or winning the title and Man City finishing the top six. Can you see the likes of Sheffield United, Fulham, West Brom, Burnley... Struggling to stay up this season. Yeah, I think you've got two relegation candidates that played each other uh, at lunchtime today. Um, I don't think a point does either of them a favour, really. Uh, you'd want to be taking three points from that game. It's sort of sort of a six pointer very early on. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think possibly you, you West Brom, Sheffield United, and Fulham are looking like you, you three at the moment. Possibly Burnley, Newcastle being dragged into that as well. Hmm. But yeah, I think, you know, Fulham and Sheffield United definitely be down there. Do you feel that Fulham may need to sort of move on from Mitrovic in January? Because obviously from a championship point uh, perspective, for both you and I, he was one of the best strikers in the league last year. Yeah. But he, for whatever reason, I don't know if they changed the style of play or they can't attack as well as they used to, but he seems very ineffective in that league. Do you think that Parker would need to go and get someone more prolific in, in the winter? Yeah, I think there's, there's scope for that, definitely. I think, like you said, Mitrovic is a very, very good championship striker. Has he sort of proved it in the Premier League? I suppose a little bit in Newcastle, but I mean, at Fulham, he's not really sort of hit the ground running. Um, I don't know, like you said, I don't know whether they've changed their style or they've gone more defensive because they're playing in the Premier League or... I don't know. Maybe he's yeah. getting sort of nullified by defenders more because they know he's a threat and he's coming up against better quality yeah. defenders and they're just sort of soaking the pressure at them. I don't know. I think, you know, January looming, if he's sort of not scoring goals again, I think, yeah, you've got to try and find someone in the market that's sort of more suitable and maybe someone that's proven it in the Premier League. Mm. Um we're going to take a quick move up to Scotland. Okay. <laughs> because obviously it was the first Old Firm game of the season this weekend. And I had Celtic winning that quite comfortably, yeah. whereas the, the scoreline says different. I mean, how, how big a result is that for Gerald and Rangers this week? Yeah, it, it's huge. Um, you know, you've heard me on here a couple of times say that they're the, the games that sort of can sway the title. Um so, yeah, I think that's massive. I think the fact that Celtic had a game in hand and they could have gone above them with the game in hand if they beat Rangers as well, um, yeah. it's, it's huge. Um, it keeps the momentum going for Rangers. Uh, and, you know, if they can keep the form they're in and then win the next old fan. I think the, the next old fan derby is obviously at Rangers as well. I know there's obviously probably no fans, but it's a massive yeah. result. I think in recent years gone by, Rangers have struggled in that fixture. So, you know, to, to sort of turn the form book on them recent fixtures against each other yeah it's, it's a huge huge win and uh, can only keep the momentum that you know Gerald and Rangers have got and just carry it on um, 
from Lennon's perspective, obviously they've got their game in hand. You're not overly worried yet, are you? No, I think I think if they win their game in hand, they're still a point behind Rangers. So there's no need, there's no need yeah. to panic yet. Still early doors, but um, I think obviously when we get to sort of Christmas time, uh, we'll sort of see where they're at again and sort of reassess. But I don't think there's no need to panic yet for Celtic. I think they're still sort of well in the running. Um, you know, both teams could slip up. You know, but I think more than likely, um, you know, Celtic will win their game in hand and they'll go a point behind and, you know, pressure's still sort of on them at one point. Yeah. How do you, how do you see them doing in Europe? Uh, I think they'll struggle. Um, I think their group's tough. I think they play AC Milan this week coming up, I think, um, which obviously isn't easy. Um, no. I just think they always seem to... To struggle in Europe, I don't know what it is. I mean, recently, more more than you know, I remember, was it like sort of ten years ago when they beat Barcelona and they had like one shot? Um, yeah, but yeah, recently, I think in recent years they sort of struggled. Um, you know, I think uh, I'm not too sure they'll even get out of the group if I'm honest. Uh, no. But yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. They might they might shock us, but I just I see them struggling. Like, being perfectly honest. Is that the sort of situation that you see the Scottish sides in Europe now? That they're sort of there to make up the numbers? Yeah, uh, I think kind of, yeah. I think, I think um, you know, Rangers obviously got to the, was it the quarterfinals of the Europa League last year? Um, yeah. They came up against, you know, a team far superior in Bayern Leverkusen, you know. Um, yeah. The run to get as far as they did was very, very good. You know, they went on a very good run. Um, but yeah, I think in terms of them sort of challenging in for the, you know the title into the last stages of the competition, you, you, I can't see it unfortunately. Um, I just think, like you say, they're sort of making the numbers up and sort of they'd be lucky to sort of get out of their group. Yeah. Um, sorry, we we seem to be rushing through it, listeners. So we do apologise, but we we were supposed to have a guest on, but because the the not so famous one project is not project here. Uh, Project Diva. Um, we've had to postpone our interview here this week. Um, so we're going to move on to the championship now because I reluctantly want to talk about it. I know you don't want to talk about yeah. it. Yeah. But we're going to um, because then what's the point of talking about football if we're not going to talk about it? So we'll start with the Friday game. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll stop playing on the Friday. Yeah, well, we're not. Um, we're playing on Friday again this following week. Exactly. Stop playing on a Friday. Um, you've got to be disappointed with that result. Yeah, you? I blame Sky for putting us on Friday night. Um, yeah. Or was that? Or were you sort of expecting a tough game against the team that's just come down and they've started the season? Yeah, it's a bit of both actually. Um, I think if you watch the game, it was dull as dishwater. Um, both teams looked like they were playing for a point. Uh, ultimately, the game's been won by a very, very good goal, which, you know, you, sometimes you have to stand back and say, you know, what can you do? Um, yeah, great goal. Um, other than that, I think we... I'm, 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 do you know what? Say we lost, I'm fairly... I'm pleased with the performance in terms of the fact that we defended relatively well and nullified them. I think the only yeah. concern would be, obviously, we lost the game, but that was obviously to a worldie. Um, but attacking-wise, we were sort of a little bit lacklustre. Um we didn't really create a lot. It was a bit of a dull, dull game to watch. But I think you've got to bear in mind that we were missing about five or six, you know, attacking players. 
you know, so bring them into the sort of side. And I think the way we defended them, the way we kept them at bay um, is a positive, you know. They're, they got uh, relegated from the Premier League and they're a team that will probably be, you know, up there come the end of the season, you know. So yeah. it's, it's sort of, uh, yeah, we lost, but there's some positives to take from it and we move on to Tuesday night, I think. Who have you got on Tuesday? We've got Huddersfield at Huddersfield. No, so, yeah, it's a tough game, but I mean, if we can try and. Yeah. We've got two. Well, every game's a big game, but we've got two games that are, I think, sort of around where we are in the league as well this week. So, you know. Um, I'll talk about our game yeah. because I don't know how we've got a win out of that. Well, no, I do know how we've got a win out of it. We should have won by more. However, the result. Is, is unjustified for Wickham and I will accept that, you know. What Bielkowski was doing for the goal, I don't know. I mean, that is that is some form of rush of shit to the brain. And and to be fair to Rowett, he came out and said, I'm not having a go at him for the performances he's put in for Millwall for the last sort of season and a bit. He's kept us in games and he's gave us wins when we shouldn't have got the result. So it's one of those where he, he's allowed one every now and then. Yeah. I get, I, I, I like the fact that he wants us to try and play out the back, but I do get frustrated that we've got a six foot six bloke sitting just past the halfway line, and he decides that he's not going to get rid of it. He's going to try and fluff it around and outpace a striker that's quicker than he is. Um, so that didn't start off well. We then should have had a penalty when Bradshaw was brought down by their centre-half because you, you physically can see the guy pushing at his back as he's going to sort of try and reach for it. Then we got a penalty just after half-time anyway, which was a penalty because the right-back basically just wrestled into the ground. Um, and then came the, the, the controversial moment, which, you know, when looking at it in real time... I don't understand why he's disallowed it. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a free goal from the corner. Wickham have obviously used that at times. I think they did it against Fleetwood in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the linesman or the referee have seen to disallow that goal. I don't. I really, really don't. Um, Dean Ashton on, on the EFL show last night said he thought he saw... Cashcut sort of pulled Bielkowski's arm away so that Bielkowski's momentum couldn't carry him towards the ball looping over his head. But even so, you sort of do question what on earth went on there. Luckily, though, um, Leonard scored a worldie of a goal from just outside the area. And we then did what Mill will do, which is defend our nads off for the next sort of 20 minutes to see out the game. Um, I'm frustrated again by the lack of... I'm not liking the way we're playing at the minute. <laughs> he changed the formation, to be fair. He played 4-4-2, whereas he's been playing his 3-4-3 for the last six months or so. Um, but I just feel that at the minute, Mills best chance of holding a defensive lead is by playing three midfielders. And we've got three of them. 
in Leonard Woods and Thompson. And they're by far our best three central midfielders of the club. So why he's reluctant to play them, I don't know. Wallace was superb. Um, how he's still at Millwall, I don't know. Um, I really, really don't. You know, there was a time sort of before last season where we sort of said that he was out of form and so his the creativity that he gave last season wasn't there. And then he had last season and we sort of sat there going, if we keep him, we're amazed. Yeah. Uh, but if he carries on with the way he's playing and a team is looking for a pacey winger to sort of try and get him up the field quick, I can see them see someone going for him. So that's a frustration if it does come true. But hopefully the, the club will be sensible enough to sort of accept or say to them, we expect, well, we will accept nothing less than 10 million because that's what he is worth to me. Yeah. Um, moving on to the rest of the weekend's games, though, it's amazing. Brentford were the only side to win at home this weekend. Oh, sorry, Watford. Watford and Brentford were the only two sides to win at home this weekend. Watford were away. Yeah. Sorry? Watford were away. We, we played at home. Oh, Watford were away. Yeah. All right, so yeah, so I know. So you're, what I was you're right. The first time. You're right. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so with that being said, because I think the week, the week before the international, no, the week we played Brentford, which was two weeks before the international break, there was only one side that won at home that weekend as well. Yeah. Given the unpredictability of the championship, this uh, you know the way that it has been for the last sort of six months, can you see that carrying on until fans get back in the stadium? Yeah, um, I think. Well, you know, you look at this weekend, and I think that's a prime example. Um, I think even Koku mentioned it in his interview uh, post match. Yeah. He said that we've lost five games at home, and last last yeah. season we were first, or second, or third, maybe. Maybe even joint top mm. uh, in terms of best home record in the division. So, yeah, I mean that has some sort of effect. You know, you don't go from being one of the best sides in the league at home to losing five at, at home in a row. It doesn't. You know, it was in terms of recent years. It was a bit of a fortress. You know, Pride Park. We didn't really, really lost at home, and now we've lost five in a row. So, you know, I think it's going to have an effect. Um, you know, atmosphere, hostility. It, it takes its toll. You know. Um, and you know, you you moan at the time, but at the end of the day, all teams are going to play home and away. So there's nothing, and in the current situation, there's not really anything we can do to change that at the minute. So it's a sort of grin and bear it and try and deal with the situation as best you can in terms of if you're at home or you're away. Yeah, well, I think they were talking about the, uh, the obviously Preston play Cardiff today yeah. and Preston lost. Um, and they were talking about Preston's home record and how that's been really formidable. And to be fair, Mills is as well. Mills, Mills' home record under Harris and under Rowett before the, the lockdown, it was a really tough place to go. Yeah. You, you know, teams coming to the den were all, unless they were the, the small team sort of playing the underdog. Millwall were always getting results. Yeah, I think um, it's definitely. But we haven't got a home yet. Yeah, we we haven't won at home. We we drew with Stoke. We drew with Brentford. We um we we just we, we just don't look the same. And I I just feel that a bit like you with Derby that I think they need to get a win at home. Yeah, to sort of 
get that confidence back up. But we've got a big week because we play Luton on Tuesday and Barnsley on on Saturday. Yeah, we've got Forest on Friday. So you know, we 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 don't do well against the smaller clubs. We don't do well against Luton and Barnsley, to be fair. So we've got to play the pair of them at the same time or in the same week. Um. Yeah, I, I love the fact that it's more unpredictable. It means I can't put an acker on. Say, yeah, yeah no chance. No chance. The week, the week you end up going for all the away go, away teams to win. One of them will lose. <laughs> yeah, all the, all the home teams will win. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's it's going to be an interesting one. Uh, obviously, Bournemouth drew with QPR nil nil, and Norwich won against Rotherham with a late penalty. Are we starting to see what? You know the fact that those three, them Watford and Bournemouth, are going to be up there or thereabouts. Yeah, I think more so Bournemouth and Watford at the moment. Obviously, they're both in the top six, and then Norwich are tenth or eleventh, I think. Um, but I think yeah, they're just sort of finding their feet. Maybe Norwich, you know, they obviously uh, in start of the season great, but then I think yeah, I think all three of them will probably be there or thereabouts in the top six. I think that's just the nature of the beast in terms of relegated teams coming down in the first season. You know, if, if you can get back up in the first season, then, you know, if not, then you're sort of in a, a dogfight to sort of yeah. try and get promoted every year, you know. That first season's critical. If you can go straight back up, then, you know, that's that's where you want to be. And I think all of them will be definitely foreign to do that. Yeah. Um, Forrest, obviously, new manager this week in, in Houghton. Um, I know you want to talk about it. Um <laughs> Went away to Blankburn, I believe, yesterday and won one nil. I mean, that's a a big result for Hewton, but it's a surprising one with all the players that Blackburn have brought in over the last week. Mm. Yeah, no, Blackburn have brought in, Blackburn. Can't even say it. Blackburn have brought in some good players. Um, do, do you see Blackburn making a push for the the, the top six now? Then with the players that they brought in, this yeah, season? I think they do. I think they've, they've brought in some really good players. I think you know, definitely Harvey Elliott. Um, being one of the you know the key ones as well, I think they already had sort of like a decent mm. squad, regardless of that. Um, yeah. You know, it hurts me to say it because it's Greeny's pick, or he so likes to call it. Um, yeah, I think they've they've got to. Um, you know, you can't sort of bring in all these players and then sort of flop. You know, there's sort of expectation. Yeah. You know, you bring in those sort of players and there's an air of expectation for them. So yeah, I think like you said, it was a shock that they lost to Forest, but I think they'll be um, sort of. I'll let you say a surprise package because I think with the squad they've got, they should be aiming for the top six. Yeah. Um, are you nervous now about the, the the East Midlands derby on Friday night? Yeah, uh, I think if we can't sort of get a result at Huddersfield on Tuesday and Forest pick up a win against, you know, they've got Rotherham at home, so that's sort of a chance for them yeah. to get another victory. I think if we go into that having lost our last two games after the international break and they've won both their games, we're sort of in you know, we're not in a great position. Um, you know, obviously we've got to go away as well. We, you know, I know obviously there's no fans, but our record at, you know, um, I want to say Trent Bridge, but it's not Trent Bridge, it's the city ground. Um, <laughs> I'd rather, I wish we rather, <laughs> might as well, because it's next yeah, to Trent Bridge. I'd rather anyway. play at Trent Bridge. Um, our record at, yeah. our record at the city ground isn't great either. So I think for us, going into that game on Friday, we have to sort of get a result at Huddersfield and that gives us a, li- a little bit of momentum going into the Forest game. Yeah. Um, going on to Brentford, because obviously they they lost their big two attacking players in Ben Rama and Watkins this in the last sort of couple yeah. of weeks. 
Um, but obviously, they, they, as I said, they, they were the only side to win at home this weekend. Do you, do you think that Frank will have enough to sort of push them back into the playoffs this season? Or do you see them slipping a little bit more because they haven't got Watkins or Ben Roman in? Yeah, I think they've got the squad to do it. Um, do they have that extra firepower to sort of help them get there? No. Um, I think, you know, I think they do. Do I think they will? Maybe not. Um, I don't know. I think they're capable of doing it. It's just whether or not, you know, that sort of, they match winners, as it were. Um, obviously yeah. aren't there anymore, so they're probably more susceptible to losing games. But I mean, you know, they've definitely got a good enough squad to do it. Yeah, I mean, obviously Ivan Tony's was a, was a relatively big money move for sort of Peterborough losing their best player. He's now started scoring in the championship. Do you think he can sort of get close to emulating Watkins from last season? Uh, he's got a tough job on his hands if he does. Um, I think he struggled yeah. the first couple of games. Um, Obviously, we'll be finding his feet in a different team and the system and stuff like that. So, you know, he can be excused. But, yeah, he seems to be finding his feet now. You know, he's is he five and five, I think. Um, uh, so, yeah, mm. if he can keep scoring goals in that and sort of take the Watkins role and, you know, winning the games, you know, then, you know, who's to say that, you know, they won't finish that top suit. No. Um, obviously, your, your Derby's opponents on Tuesday, Huddersfield, big win for them this weekend. Um I just feel that if they were to carry on with the form that they had, I could see them losing or the manager going within the next sort of couple of weeks. Were you surprised by their result on, on the yeah, weekend? Yeah, um, I didn't expect them to get anything out of uh, going to Swansea. So, yeah, it's, it's a shock. Um, like you say, it's a, it's a win they needed um, in terms of how they've sort of... I mean, they've sort of started the season all right in terms of ups and downs. I think, I think they lost two games before the international break so it was a win that they needed um, yeah I just I, I didn't really expect anything out of the, the Swansea game so yeah it's, like you said it's a shock but we've, we've spoke about it on it haven't we it's the, it's the unpredictability of the championship and more so yeah. with no fans as well Do, um... I've lost my train of thought sorry everybody uh, do you who do you see going down from the championship at the minute given what you've seen so far. I think Wickham are your number one candidates. Um, I think Sheffield Wednesday are going to sort of be okay, even with their um, points deduction. You know, they obviously got a win again this weekend. So, they're they're minus four now. Um, Yeah, they've they've made eight points already from... Yeah, exactly. So, I think they'll sort of be fine. Um, I think Barnsley are always sort of there or thereabouts down there. Uh, yeah. possibly Rotherham and sort of Coventry as well so sort of yeah. your, your newly promoted size added in with Barnsley um, and I think for now I can't really sort of because it's so early on but I think that that sort of yeah. three or four teams will be you know down there Do you, do you think there's a big gap between Championship and League One club? Well, so, well, let me rephrase that. Do you think there's a gap between Championship and certain League One clubs? Because uh, could you see the likes of... Because obviously, I, I want to talk about League One in, yeah. in a second, but Oakbridge have started off well. Hull are, are currently doing well. Peterborough have picked up some big results, even without the likes of Ivan Tony there. However, the team, three teams that have come up this summer, 
don't look that great. Do, do you think it's a bit of hit and miss of who comes up from League One? Yeah, I think your uh, sort of average championship teams are sort of, well, there's like a big bracket, I suppose, of like probably like 18, 18 sort of 16, 18 teams in the championship that are all sort of at the same level. Um, there's always yeah. sort of three to six that are sort of better than everyone else and they're, you know, pushing for the Premier League and then you've got the promoted teams that have just come up from League One as well. I think, yeah, I think there is a bit of a gulf, especially, you know, if you, like last season, if you had a look at last season, you've got, you know, things like Leeds and West Brom and then you have things like Charlton and, um, yeah, is it, I'm not, it's Wigan. Well, Charlton, Charlton, um, yeah. Barnes, well, yeah. Luton. So you've got, and and it's not even the, the difference in players; it's the difference in wage budgets as well. And you know. so, yeah. yeah, I think it's it's always going to be a tough ask. Get uh, being promoted from League One and staying in the Championship. It's you know the budgets are very varied in the Championship. Um, the quality of player again is very varied. So yeah, it's. It's sort of if you, it's sort of a, like if you can stay up and sort of build a squad for the championship and try and drive more money in, then you you're going to be all right. But I think that first season, if you can stay up, is key. Yeah. Um, moving on to League One now, as I said, it would. Um, we'll, we'll start at the bottom because it was a big win for MK Dons yesterday because they have started off pretty poorly for that that league. Um, can you? Could you see them potentially going back to League Two this year? Um, I can. I think, like you said, today's today's game, yesterday's game was a big result. Um, yeah. Gillingham were going quite well, you know, fairly well. So they needed to pick points up. Um, they, yeah, I think they they could be down in League Two. Um, I just think early doors, you know. There's not many sort of. I think there's not more so in League One and League Two that anyone can beat anyone. But if you get yourself on sort of a, a run of fixtures where you don't pick up points, then you know you're sort of in like a dogfight. Yeah. Um. Another defeat for Wigan yesterday. Um, away to Charlton, yeah, yeah. I believe. Um. Where. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sort of tie this into the next, the, the sort of the next topic I want to talk about after League One football. But can you see them folding without a bailout from the Premier League? Yeah, um, I think you know more Premier League teams need to help teams in the lower leagues, um, especially you know sort of grassroots football as well. Uh, you know, I think. I don't know if people saw it, but I think on social media, Gary Neville was talking about Project Power and the fact that he was embarrassed that it was like over a billion pounds have been spent on transfers and we can't even bail clubs out, you know? Can you can you explain to me what his project is? Because I've not heard anything. What, from oh, from him? Yeah, because he, apparently he's he's got an idea. Or I'm not sure what his idea was. He was just obviously talking about the the project from the one that we mentioned on the live where the top clubs would sort of have the effect yeah. and he was saying he was obviously against it and he was saying it is obviously embarrassing the fact that all this money was being spent on transfers and we can't even help clubs out I don't know what his own project is I don't know I've not seen that myself right, okay. so I have to have to look into it and then obviously talk about it on the live on the next pod but he was just saying he was basically disgusted in terms of all this money was being spent and there was just 
you know, if teams are prepared to spend millions and pounds on transfers, you know, they can't even bail, you know, the core clubs, you know, I think, right. you know, so I, ca- I can see that happening, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't want it to happen, you know. I think we spent, I think me and you, no. especially, we've touched I'm, about I'm Wigan gonna... and how we want them to, to do well and stay as a club. I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here because, uh, well, I would have done this at some point with both you and Greeny at the same okay. time. Um, obviously, Project Big Picture, which was the plan for the Premier League to be reduced to 18 teams. They were going to invest $250 million to the lower league football straight away. Obviously, has failed, which is why I made the quip about Project Diva. Um <laughs> What do you think needs to be done to help League One and League Two clubs? Do, is it a case of just give them the money now and they change the parachute payments in the way that it's done so that it's spread out more evenly between mainly Leagues One and Two? Because champ, champ, the majority of championship clubs are self-sustaining. You know, you've you've had the issues with Sheffield Wednesday and selling their ground to themselves, and the you know, sort of the issues with Derby about it, and a couple of others as well. But a lot of those clubs are quite self-sustaining. But it's more the League One, League Two clubs that need the fans in to help boost their their income. What what do you think needs to be done straight away to sort of get the effect? Yeah, I think the, I think the money's got to be given to them sort of sooner rather than later. Um... I think the problem is there's such a gulf in terms of money. I think yeah. Premier League, you look at the money being spent and then you look at clubs and League Two are literally on their arse and they've got nothing. Um, so I think distributing yeah. the money out evenly between the leagues would be more, well, it's fairer, it's more sustainable as well. Um, you know, and I yeah. think we've got to do more in this sport, you know, because there's so much money involved in the Premier League. And you know, in, in the game, and yet League One, League Two teams are struggling so much. So, and not even League One and Two, you, you've got to look beyond there as well. You know, your non-league teams, even grassroots football. You know, yeah. I think it could have more sort of, sort of done to it. I know that obviously years ago they sort of pumped a bit more money into grassroots and stuff, but I think, yeah, I think each spread, spreading out evenly is is the key. And I think giving them the money, and then you know, it's, I suppose it's up to them, and it's. It's up to them what they do with it, um, whether they invest it into you know the the, cl- the club or whether they buy players or whether they pay their wages or they pump it into the ground or the academy or you know whatever they want to do with it. But I yeah. think it's got. I think evenly is the best thing, really. You know, you can't be having you can't be having you know Premier League clubs spending billions of pounds and then League Two teams can't even play their players. It's it's just contradictory at the end yeah. of the day. Do you, do you think as well then that they should change the ownership tests that they do so that they're actually a lot stricter with it? Yeah. And if you know, if it's a case that the owner isn't good enough and they need to find some investor to change it, then they are sort of sort. Of, the, the way I, I'm, I'm thinking of it is they put the club into administration and yeah. get rid of the owner. But then the EFL itself deals with the yeah. administration. So that they they 
will invest money into sort of like a bailout. There's a bailout to sort of yeah. keep the club afloat while they get an investor in, but then they can sort of do a due, a due diligence on the new owner coming in to make sure it's a case of, well, we've given you 30 million to see yourself yeah. through the rest of the year. Are you just going to take that or, and run, or are you actually going to invest it wisely? And I think that's where, you know, do, could you see something like that being beneficial to clubs? Yeah, I think. Get better them out is, is obviously the first and foremost thing that needs to happen, otherwise they're not going to go under. Um, but I think, like you said, you've got to verify who's coming in in terms of they can't just be you yeah. know, anyone. I think the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm not sure what what it's like in the business world where people go to buy like a, a business or go to buy a new business. I don't know whether they have to get verified or something like that. I'm sure, I'm sure not just anybody can buy a business. Um well, you probably can. I don't know. But, uh, well, you, you probably have to put a decent amount of investment into it first to, to be able to sustain yourself, get the tools, the staff, and the equipment that you need to sort of run your business to create yeah. the product you're selling. Um, and you know, it's a case of then once that you know once you've been given that loan, you sort of then start paying it back, but at a decent sort of rate or business rate that doesn't fold you because you've not had a, a good year. Um, that That's how I understand yeah, you know, people starting I think their own so business. Football's, well, you know, like we said, football is ultimately a business as well. So it sort of has the same blueprint for that as well. You know, you can't, can't just have anyone buying a yeah. football club because you, you don't know what they'll do with it. You know, it's unpredictable. You know, you look at the wicked situation and things like that. It's not just the first time yeah. these sort of things have happened. I know we've obviously touched on it before, so there needs to be some sort of you know protocols where you know they can verify their identity and their background, and you know maybe even their background in terms of football or owning a football club or you know part ownership, etc. You know, who knows? But I think something has got to be done because obviously more and more clubs, especially in the EFL, not so much the Premier League, are getting done over by dodgy owners or people trying to find loopholes, etc. So, yeah, I think the EFL has to do something in terms of changing that sort of, both the bailout process for clubs going into administration and also the validity of owners and their identity and, you know, just making sure that they're not sort of crooked or dodgy. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that's pretty much it for today, I think. Um Obviously, we've not had the input of the uh, not-so-famous one, which is why it seems to have gone a lot quicker than it has. Um, now for the plugs. Um, obviously, thank you for those of you that are listening. Um, please like our page on Facebook. Please share around the pod. Um, leave comments or likes or reviews or whatever you find or wherever you find your podcast or this podcast on. Um, if you'd like to email me, um, it is after extra time 2020 at gmail.com, and that's XTRA. Um, I'm not going to be sound <laughs> desperate to get an email. Um, I will, I will just say, uh, hopefully, one of you that does listen to this will just send an email to say hi, say that you're listening. We'd love to hear it. Um, we will be back hopefully on Friday. Um, the diva will be making an appearance. Um, 
Otherwise, I think Jack and I are going to go on strike because we're just going to get fed up yeah. trying to carry him through this. Um, next week, hopefully, we will have a um, a chat. Well, hopefully, our, our schedule will go back to normal where Greeny will host it. He will bring on a guest and it will either be someone who's playing out in the States, which I'm quite interested to find out how that works because he's not in the MLS but he plays for the USL yeah, Championship I think... which I, I don't know what I think it's Championship I think to... but I'm not I can't be confident in right. that so I don't know now and that's that, that's what I want to sort of talk to him about there and and hopefully we may have a South African international on at some point in the next um, few weeks so that'll be good um Thank you, Jack, as ever, for your contribution to this. Always, as always, yeah. Thank you for obviously hosting it again. Standing, Project Dealer, Clapton again. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. just get used to it, mate. I to think, be honest, uh, um, we've got that sense of being uh, let down once again. So, yeah. Well, we'll, it, we'll do our own project. We'll, we'll call it something stupid, yeah. and we'll start Project Fuck the Diva. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be brilliant. Um, so anyway, I've been your host, Jacko. Um, thank you very much for listening as always. And we will see you or we'll, thank we'll you. speak to you next time. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.